Well, Dan, let's talk about um, the Navy. Um, I think the first time I, when I heard that you were beginning to do some business with the Navy, I, I was trying to think of how uh, here a, a company that is in DeWin uh, operating um, a business model for city grid systems and what you're doing with the Navy. Um, and then when I got further into it, it's you really using your high temperature steel your, uh, throughout some of these these boats and uh, different sizes, etc. Um, I know you you've been awarded a eight and a half million dollar contract, which isn't large, but um, it seems a, quite a bit of excitement from when you talked to us in the past about it. Can you explain a little bit more about what you see going forward with the Navy and how that's going to evolve? So eight and a half million is large for us when you're. 70, 80 million in revenue, which is what we're coming from, having 10% growth through one contract. Right. <laughs> let's not let's not diminish the value of that. At a very high level, you got to look at the Navy part of our business. It's no different than anything else we do. We deal with management of power. We deal with the the uh, flow of that power through a network, and ultimately with the consumption of that power. A ship is a microcosm of the grid. So you have power generation on board. You have systems that need that power. You need to deal with power flow and power regulation. So it's 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 a good test bed for a lot of new approaches, novel approaches to how you deal with power generation, power management. They have to be tremendously reliable. So a lot of what I like about the Navy business for, for our grid business is we can demonstrate military-grade reliability, which should be superior to anything we need on the grid. It helps de-risk a lot of the adoption on the grid side that we have this marine business. But from the Navy standpoint, we have a, a, a relationship with them that goes back probably about 15 years, where we've been contracted at various times to develop novel technology. And in a lot of cases, we've been ahead of the Navy or trying to push the Navy. Um, if, if you do a little bit of due diligence on the research part of the Navy, where they want to head eventually, really next decade, is in an all superconductor ship. So what they want to have is an integrated uh, power system where they can power and move the ship, they can power weapon systems um, that are a variety of electrical type weapon systems because they want to move to more things like uh, electric magnetic pulse, railgun type weapon systems that need to have uh, power generation capability on a ship that just isn't there today. So they don't have power to run these today on a ship? These systems don't exist and aren't deployed on ships today. What are uh, they using today to run Traditional, ship? well, so for the, um, the war fighting capability, for munitions and being able to fire a cannon, they're using mechanical systems, combustion, you know, like guns, right? Mm -hmm. They want to move that technology to um, this century, which are being able to go in and deal with threats, um, not using you know ballistic munitions, but by using electricity either as um, the uh, mechanism that propulses um, a cannon, or even to send a magnetic pulse, an electric field into into. So uh, these are battleships. That's where they want to head. This the, the whole idea. Of this goes back to 
when we had a lot of challenges with Libya, which is, this is the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, the challenge that the fleet had is if you parked uh, the fleet in the Mediterranean, you could only reach maybe a third of the way into Libya. And what the Navy was asking for is how do we develop technologies where we can go maybe two, three, four times the range for weapon systems. Are these, are these ships, uh, would they be considered intelligent then? Uh, would they have people on them? I mean, yeah, so that's even, you know, now you're talking Star Trek stuff and, 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 and real long-term future. Simply what they're looking is a change for the range that the warfighting capability, they want to extend that warfighting capability without having necessarily to move the ship. So if I could go um, and, and park a ship, you know, wherever we have uh, uh, challenges today, the Persian Gulf, and I have broader reach, I now don't have to deploy other troops if I have uh, military challenges, but I can go and do a lot more with the Navy uh, than they're capable of doing today. That's the vision in the long-term future for the Navy. And when you uh, read or you listen to those parts of the Navy, it's all dependent upon superconductor and American Superconductor as the provider of that technology. Um, so we had a program back um, last decade which we did design and development and test of a new motor for a very large uh, destroyer. Um, we wound up being um, the most energy efficient, the most energy dense, and the smallest uh, propulsion system um, that the Navy has helped to develop. So we believe in what the Navy tells us, we, we're the future for, for the entire surface fleet. What we had to find, similar to what we talked about on the grid side, some of it is the business model and how do you go to market. And one of the challenges was starting with propulsion first, is if um, the drive system goes offline or has a problem, that ship is in, in harm's way and there's a lot of challenges. So. You can't think uh, about propulsion as being the first application. The risks are, are, are too great. So what else can we do as superconductors on a ship? So this program now goes back, you know, uh, five, six, seven, eight years, where we were looking at how we can use the superconductor not just to transfer power, but to create a magnetic field. So in these machines, the the, the, the real benefit is I can create a magnetic field to drive the, the propulsion system. What other things can I do with magnetism, magnets, and a magnetic field? Um, one of the applications that exists today in the surface fleet is something called a degaussing system. Um, in our parlance, we'll talk about ship protection systems. But these are systems that, are, that go back to World War II, and they help uh, the surface fleet um, protect themselves against mines and minefields. Um, the Navy has uh, done a lot of work um, back in World War II, kind of mapping the Earth for what's the ambient magnetic signature. Is that a particularly big uh, danger? Uh, it, it's, it's probably the number one principal danger for ships um, in, in the world today, and the damages can be catastrophic to a ship where you basically blow a big hole in the side of, uh, of, of a ship. Um, it's the lowest cost defense that a nation state or an actor can deploy against the U.S. Navy. Putting out mines and minefields are a very cost effective way to thwart surface ships. So 
as we as we look at the way uh, the Navy believes that combat's going to evolve, we need better protection systems for these ships. Two two things are changing. Um, the depth of the water that we're going into is getting shallower and shallower. We're getting closer to um, uh, meaning the countries. ships are closer to the shores. They're closer to the shores, therefore they're closer to the bottom, right. which means therefore they're closer to the mine. Okay. Right? And the other thing that's happening are their ships are going faster. So what you know, 25 knots used to be, you know, high speed in World War II. We now have ships that can do 45, 50 knots, so you know, doubling the speed of the ship. So if I'm closer to it and I approach it faster, I need to respond in a different way. I need to increase performance. The only way to increase the performance of the traditional system is by adding more weight. And if you want to think of it the way the Navy doesn't think of it as adding weight, they, they think of it as taking war fighting capability off the ship. Mm -hmm. So if I have to increase my mine protection by adding this weight, the weight has to come from some other system. So you're building a more, more swifter, uh, faster, it's a higher performance, lighter weight solution, uh, hopefully at similar cost when we look at full cost installed, which allows a ship to change the sensitivity to mines and mine warfare. And that's really where the Navy goes. The, Navy, the Navy's invested something like, uh, together with us, something on the order of 30 to 50 million dollars on this first application, uh, which are the ship protection systems. You know, before we go into the, the next... That's uh, just a product development. So, okay. Well, this you know we've 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 talked about wind and 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 the grid segment where Homeland Security is involved, the regulatory body. We're, we're with the Department of Defense, Navy. This is an election year. Um, from your standpoint, is is it important that you get a leader in there that uh, looks at these? business models uh, and can drive them t to fruition with wh whether it, uh, more wind out there competing against uh, the alternatives, um, Homeland Security, which uh, appears, as you said last night, uh, certainly something that is needed, and, and thus the Department of Defense, where you have uh, a budget and someone needs to decide where they want, where they want to spend this money. What we've done with our strategy, we've not only tried to diversify our customer base, but politically, it's been a, a bit of a diversification as well. I mean, where we have been um, is really focused more on clean energy, green energy, which plays to part of the electorate. It's part of a solution of a problem. Um, what we've tried to develop with our grid reliability solutions and with our, our military business. Um, is to think about the business not just uh, you know, utilizing government investment in energy, but can we provide resiliency, reliability, sustainability, and um, warfighting capability in a different way. So the company's gone through a bit of a transformation where it's not just focused on clean and green, but also um, uh, uh, mean and performance for, for, the, for the Navy and for the service fleet. And I think that puts us in a position where things like elections, I don't want to say they don't matter, because they do tremendously, but they don't necessarily matter to our strategy and what we're doing. That um, we're comfortable, you know, either way, however the election turns out. I think, you know, in, on one side you have uh, an existing government that understands the energy, they understand issues that we've been through, 
They understand a lot of the trade implications that we've been uh, a bit of a poster child for. Uh, on the other side, the idea of investing more in the military, spending more money on ships, building uh, more capability helps us uh, as well. So either way, I think there's a path where it, it translates into growth for our business.